welcome to the Blue and White Brothers, the podcast all about Penn State football. Conversation and commentary from a fan perspective. I'm Tom Gaffman. And I'm Andy Gaffman. And we are the Blue and White Brothers. Two brothers, two takes, one team. Well, Andy, usually it's your voice that starts out. And it says in that greeting, we are the blue and white brothers. But today I feel like we are just blue brothers because <laughs> we are sad. Oh, man. We're like, yeah, gray. We're a gray brothers. <laughs> yeah. like, the blue and gray. We're, oh, it's man. just been tears and, and, and fears. We're coming. I don't even know. Well, that's a... Odd little uh, yeah. reference, but anyway, <laughs> yeah. uh, we're, we're and we're coming to you under duress. I think it's worth noting from the outset here that um, in addition to um, still, you know, flailing about in our misery after that just terribly deflating Penn State loss, Tom is joining us today with a uh, a killer migraine. So, Tom, yeah, thanks for tapping it I out. Was, I was considering pushing it. Uh, after today, this episode, um, and I would have if if your uh, schedule in the you know Tuesday or Wednesday would have allowed for it, but it doesn't seem like it would have been possible. So I just pumped my brain full of Excedrin, um, <laughs> and uh, well, let's hope that it. Let's put it this way: like <laughs> even if even if the outline were its most put together that it's been all year, which I don't think it, it is, is far from. This is a very <laughs> loose outline. Yeah, this, this is going to be our, our most shooting from the hip episode of the season to date for obvious reasons, I think. Um, and maybe that's the way it should be. So hopefully I, I don't derail and hopefully you keep me on task. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm ready to fume and froth at a moment's notice <laughs> with and a, go with a te- terrible head pressure, like yeah, kind of yeah. fueling I'll, that misery. Yeah, and like irritation. somebody's got my head in a vice grip and, and and you keep cranking it and cranking it, and I'm ready to blow out of whatever orifice is ready. <laughs> um, but you know, I, get, get me get me going here. Get, oh, get, get this man. whole thing rolling here, Andy. I, I need help. Yeah, we I, need to I get need more help than you've ever ever dreamed of. Right I don't now, know what help I can be. <laughs> uh, you know, yesterday. Um, Eileen was away uh, the end of last week. She was uh, in California for work, and uh, she got back. Uh, she's able to stream the game while she was in mid-flight. And um, you know, when she got home on Saturday, we we just had a few minutes to kind of like catch up. And then, so yesterday was the first significant time we spent together since the Penn State loss. And it's like every kind of response to anything she said was just so dripping with like just irritation. And I was like, I'm really sorry, hun. This is not about you. I'm just, everything is irritating me today. Yeah, well, and, and I talked to mom and dad after the game and mom just kept apologizing to me. Like, <laughs> I'm so, she, just like, I, same with the, the, the Ohio State game. You know, we talked after that and she's like, Tom, I'm so sorry. I'm like, don't be sorry. Don't be sorry to me. Just because I'm like, she's like so forlorn in her because, well, she, she, I mean, I think she feels that like, oh, you know, like we have a lot invested in this team. And while we do, I think in, in, in some manners of speaking, I, 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 my only reply to mom this, this week after our, you know, um, broken record, another broken record loss, um, you know, it, it's like, don't be sorry to me. Franklin needs to be sorry to his players. Yeah. Like that's how I look at it. Like if I'm if I'm James Franklin, like I don't even feel bad for myself. I feel bad that I I hope that I feel the, the most bad for like the seniors 
which are playing their you know last home game of their careers coming up this next week uh, against Rutgers that we'll talk about next episode. But like that's that was that was your last that was a, that was an elimination game from from the Big Ten championship, and it was an elimination game for the college football playoff. And to be honest with you, no one talked about it leading up to the game that this is an elimination game. We didn't even talk about it. Yeah, but it was. I mean, that's everyone exactly knew. what it everyone was. knew. Well, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but no one. I never heard anyone mention the fact that this is in effect a an elimination game for the college football playoff and for the Big Ten championship game. That's what exactly it was. Because Ohio State and Michigan can lose both their next games. And still, the winner of the game, Michigan versus Ohio State, will go on to play for the, you know, well, they'll probably, you know, play for a CFP slot regardless if they lose a game or not. Well, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. Um, I'm just saying. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, this is going to be this way, guys. Um, uh, yeah. Obviously, we're coming off of a 24 fan podcast, fan podcast, <laughs> 24 fan to 15 loss uh, against Michigan at home. Uh, second largest crowd in history got to see that disappointing, um, disappointing showing, disappointing performance. I mean, it was so many layers of disappointment. Um, we're going to get to that. Um, we are going to talk about uh, some news and notes in just a moment. Um, before we get into it, I want to remind everyone, subscribe and follow the podcast. Uh, share it with your Penn State friends. We've said it before in previous losses. Misery loves company, and we're ready to keep you company because we're miserable too. <laughs> <laughs> um, want to invite you to write a review, give us a rating, send us an email for the mailbag. We already got a couple lined up. For you today, uh, blue and white brothers at gmail.com. Um, that'll be at our next episode, the mailbag. But uh, yeah, send us a, a mailbag if you haven't already. We'll get it uh, in a future episode. Uh, but let's go ahead and bro and um, go. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> let's go ahead and uh, talk about those news and notes. News and notes. Well, the biggest news in the Penn State world on Saturday was Penn State's loss. But the biggest news in the Penn State world now is Mike Yurcich is now no longer with the program. He was fired on Sunday by James Franklin. Um, I know we were talking about all the problems with the offense of the last few episodes. Will the offense get it back together? And certainly after the Michigan game, it was like another dud. And uh, we were really, we were like lining up to just go all in on how terrible the offense was in that game, and we still have a chance to do that. But in, in a lot of respects, James Franklin took a lot of the wind out of those sails by making a very surprising, I would say unprecedented decision for Penn State, a mid-season coordinator firing. Let's talk about this. Um, what's your reaction to it? Um, did you see this coming? I mean, at, at least at no, this time? No, yeah. no. The timing is a shocker for sure. Um, I guess, you know, I was, you know, in his post-game comments yesterday, he talked about, you know, I wouldn't say he was throwing Yursich under the bus because Yursich, you know, kind of merited given his game plan and scheme and execution and game calling play calling in both the Michigan and Ohio State games he he the, the, it was about as ugly as it can get you know about as ugly as it can get from all those standpoints here you know and you look at the entire offense of the whole season 
At no time did the offense exemplify any sort of identity um, or consistency. Yeah, and uh, Franklin's been harping on a couple of things for a number of weeks now. This is even before the Ohio State game, and certainly his demeanor changed after the Ohio State game. He was much yeah, more critical right. of the offensive game plan, but the lack of explosive plays in both the run game and in the pass game, Franklin's been talking about that. Um, you know, some of the in-game decisions, the lack of getting in rhythm and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yep. Um, and he wasn't doing his his young signal caller any favors with the play calling um, or the or the game planning. Yeah, I mean, and the fans were way. talking about this going back to like the Delaware game, which is yeah. like, why aren't you throwing downfield passes, especially after the West Virginia game? It seemed like, oh, that big K. Andre Lambert Smith uh, touchdown on like. Drew's second throw of the game. Which ends like, up being the high mark of the season passing yeah. was his second attempt of the season. Well, and even but, that first And a broken game. play. And, a, and it was a broken play, too. I mean, it was um, look. It was worth. it was not intended to be a downfield shot, but it was a it was a good throw and catch. But what I will say is, like that very um, game was also his highest passing yards for the season. <laughs> you know, yeah. so yeah, it's it, it was like regressing from there, even though we saw there were a lot of things to build on from the West Virginia game. And, and you know, obviously a lot of criti- criticism from the, the passing game standpoint. Um, but the running game has been not nearly as good as last year. So, uh, you know, in terms of uh, yards per play, in terms of, um, uh, you know, a, a lot of factors in terms of efficiency and passing efficiency and running, there are a lot of things that, um, even though we were scoring a lot of points and we were winning all the games against teams not named Ohio State and Michigan, you know, some of these things were problems all the way along this year. Franklin mentioned like how we like Penn State was wait- the, the offense, Yursich, <laughs> waiting for the right defense to take their shots. Oh, yeah. So, like, and that was in the post game, right? That was in the post game. Like, he's like, hey, we, ha- we wanted to t- take some shots to loosen things up for Drew, but. The defense never we gave us the, the right, right look. look. I'm like you're waiting, like you're letting their defense dictate the terms of what you do on offense. That to me seems like the exact opposite of how you want to, you know, be able to control the terms of the game. Like all of the great, you're not, Penn you're State not in teams, control at all. You're not in control in any way if you're if you're waiting for the defense to make a mistake pre like play. Yeah. You know, like, it's just, it's so counterintuitive to how you should be playing offense. Offense is supposed to be dictating the how things go uh, on the field. totally and, and the defense is reactionary. And you're playing offense defensively. It's <laughs> like, true. And that's what I, it, it felt like, especially in Ohio State and Michigan. It felt like you were playing to not lose as opposed to trying to play to win. You know, you're playing uh, tentative, you're playing conservative, you're playing sort of scared. Um, And the few times that you did somewhat creative things, they were actually extremely risky, out of character, out of the the true identity of the offense. And, And again, it just, you know, it seems clear that James Franklin was was seeing those same things and, um, you know, made a major decision mid season before the end of the season was over, um, as a result of those things, you know, um, our, our friend of the podcast, um, Rudy Glocker, um, he sent along a, uh, we, we text a little bit here and there about, about the games weekly. Um, he's at the game, uh, you know, and, 
he was he was not feeling great about the game as most of us fans were not you know he, and Rudy's a former player by the way as well former uh, Penn State letterman he sent along a picture of a Joe Paterno quote uh, and that quote is practice as hard as you can work towards perfection then when you go out there to play when you see an opportunity chance it go for it don't be afraid of it reach beyond yourself and it just felt like time and time again you know we reached below ourselves yeah. you yeah. know you didn't you didn't play like you, you didn't call a game like you had a five star in the biggest games on you didn't offense. you didn't call the game like you had four star wide receivers and two four plus star running backs and four star you know tight ends you, you called a game like you were timid and afraid to make mistakes and in so you know doing you you ruined your chance to to win a game because here we are with a great defense yet again um you know and and within one score lead going into the fourth quarter and you just you know to make to make no mention of some of the boneheaded uh play calling uh, you know situational play calls um, we'll get to those too um it just felt like opportunities were missed time and time again and you went into this game with the exact same kind of mentality offensive scheme, game plan, play calling um, as you went into the Ohio State game with. It didn't matter that it was at Penn State this time. It had no bearing. The home crowd had no bearing on whether or not you felt, um, you know, like you could take shots with a great defense as an insurance policy. Yeah, I mean, Mike Yurcich oversaw an offense that um, went 0-6 against Ohio State and Michigan the last three years. I mean, James Franklin shares that same mark, but that perfectly aligns with Mike Yurcich's offense um, the, the last three years. Uh, this year, he's overseeing an offense that's 90th nationally in passing. They're 130th out of 133 uh, in plays of 20-plus yards. Um you know the the explosive play um vol- lack thereof i should say um really hampered us particularly in ohio state and michigan uh 70 yards passing against michigan bro 70 yards passing against michigan here's the and here's the here's the hilarious part we actually had a halfway decent run game um but like but like and we actually outpassed Michigan, but not because we stopped them. They didn't even have to throw it. You know, they, uh, um, JJ was se- uh, seven for eight for sixty-eight yards, if I remember correctly. Um, and they didn't—they didn't have to pass. They, to, to they didn't us. throw a pass, at least on the stat sheet. Uh, they didn't have a pass recorded on the stat sheet. Uh, after midway through the second quarter, and that's, I, a, that's an I, that's an insult. Yeah, what they were doing is what we thought we wanted to do was to shorten the game, yeah, and what exactly the, what, I said what they side what what it seemed like they decided was is like uh, Penn State's not going to be able to score against us. Their offense has they can't do anything. They're not dangerous. They're we not. We already a threat. put it on tape, and we have shown zero ability to adjust either in season or in game. Yeah. So and, and like so again, what we put on what do we put on tape all year is exactly what Michigan got to play to. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so there was nothing creative to. with regard to the um, game plan. There was nothing creative with regard to the play calling. I uh, mean, you. What do you mean the swinging gate? I mean the 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 wide <laughs> yeah. receiver passes. Which is <laughs> and this is what's abysmal about it is that like the the few marks of creativity were gimmicky plays that were not 
you know, within the all fluff and no substance. With this team cannot execute a play to save their lives. They weren't within the bounds of what the offensive identity was in the first place. They weren't wrinkles. They weren't showing a new right, layer. Right. They were some strange like iteration of something. And like you know, even like the had to have it plays against Michigan and Ohio State really weren't there. You know, we went for two, three times against those two teams inexplicably, but we got none of them. You know, so like, do you know that the last play of Mike Yurcich's uh, Penn State career was <laughs> the swinging his eight. third his third two point attempt of the game. Second was the. No, that was a, that was a third two point attempt of the game. No, it was the second two point attempt of the game. Was it? We had a, okay. a, a two point attempt against Ohio State as well. Oh, I, I apologize. Okay, um, gotcha. So, anyway, but it was a, it was point. his last play call of <laughs> yeah. of Penn State of his Penn State career. It was. I mean, I mean, you roll out with no with with like all your linemen, um, you know, split out to the left side and. All your all your receiving targets are right there in front of you, and, and none of them are open. And and by the way, it was it was um, four receivers against five defendant defensive backs. It was like it was yeah. a terrible play call. It was terrible call to actually snap the ball there. I mean, Penn State has legitimately had one of the best short yardages teams in the country and you know rather than going straight up and having a, a high percentage call there you know you kind of said uh, let's try to fool them with a very low Shoot, percentage yeah on kind some of, of our play. short yardage third or fourth down plays we had empty backfield sets it, it, and you're just like why it would just you know i think that and, that and and i you know franklin even said you know part of the reason that uh, you know, I made this decision and not Pat Kraft. You know, I took the onus on himself. Like I, I fired um, Mike Yersich. Was that the game plan throughout the week was kind of he went away from it come, come game, game time. time? Yeah, you yeah. know. So, so the, their their plan that they map out together throughout the week, he time and time again would kind of get away from it when things would start going sideways, and that's and you just saw it. You saw it. He was reaching for straws all too many times against Michigan. Yeah, and Franklin, you know, I think to his credit, and we, you know, I mean, you and I, and we will talk about some more, I think, in this episode and probably the next one, like, you know, what does it say about Franklin? What does it say about Penn State? What does it say about our future? What does it say about our expectations? Um, but to his credit, I mean, Franklin took the responsibility for this decision. And to me, it says like what we did against Ohio state and Michigan, especially on the offensive side of the ball is not acceptable. It's not what we're looking for. It's, you know, he said um, in his press conference today um, that they need to have high performance on every layer of the operation as a team. And he's, you know, his point was like, you know, particularly in the most, important games, they weren't seeing that. And, you know, Mike Yersich, as the one who has responsibility for the offense is the the unit that wasn't performing properly. You know, he decided to to, you know, let Yersich go because he decided, you know, after the Michigan game that Mike Yersich is not the guy to get it done going forward. And rather than let him hang on for the end of the season, he said, No, I've made my decision. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna make it now. Okay. I think so. That's the, I think that's the Franklin deserves time. some credit for see, seeing that what we have all seen. He saw it and acted upon it. 
You know? Well, yeah, because because I mean, think about it. You know, Franklin signed that contract extension from Sandy Barber uh, and Eric Barron um, back in 2021 before the you know the losing to I, number three Iowa before then losing the nine overtime game to Illinois before losing to Ohio, number five Ohio State that season. Um, you know that that contract was finalized before that that skid, but it was announced long after that skid. Um, but Mike Yurcich was the OC in all of those games and in all the games since. So, and since that contract extension was signed, 10 years, you know, and and what was it, 75 million guaranteed or whatever it was? Yeah. Yeah. 7.5 per year. Penn State is 0 6 versus Michigan and Ohio State. So, Yurcich was 0 6 versus Michigan and Ohio State. Yep. Um, and you and and this is you know the first time Franklin has had to in his estimation in his words you know fire somebody in season. Now we obviously only have two games left, but that gives you a chance to do a couple of different things. One, see if any of the guys you you have on staff um, have the ability to um, maybe show something. They have a runway to maybe getting the 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 job moving forward, but it also gives Franklin a leg up on um, hiring other guys that might be up for other uh, coaching positions at other universities and institutions. So, I, you know, like you said, you got to give Franklin some credit here, but one of the things that is a concern to the, the Nittany Lion faithful is who is the common denominator in these six offensive coordinators in nine seasons? Yeah, I mean that that record speaks for itself, you know. Right. Um, and you, but you cannot fire James Franklin. So something did have to be done, and he did the thing that he had to do, and, and that's the one thing that could be done, the biggest thing that could be done, which is move on from what what wasn't working. Yeah, and you know, we haven't said it in this conversation we've said it before like this is james franklin's hand-picked offensive True. like dream yep. hire offensive coordinator yep. and so yep. it definitely uh doesn't speak too highly of that decision making and, process and, 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 you know and real quick and yeah no, no no well it it doesn't in hindsight but but nobody was knocking this higher when, when he made it and i'll just give you a couple of little like you know tidbits of of how it was justified um he had worked at high you know high powered offensive institutions in oklahoma state and ohio state at texas he had uh, produced at a at a high level in 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 um you know big you know power 5 conferences um and here this is according to his very short wikipedia page all right <laughs> A very short Wikipedia page, by the way. Um, and and it says here, Andy, um, in his career as an FBS offensive coordinator, which began in 2013, by the way, after he left Shippensburg and became Oklahoma State's OC and QB coach, Yurcich's offense have averaged 6.49 yards per play, which ranks first among offensive coordinators since 2013, and a 14.03 yards per completion which is also first among Power 5 OCs in that time frame. And since 2013, Yurcich's offense have scored 50 or more points 26 times and 40 or more points 51 times, 50% of the games coached, both of which are tops amongst um, FBS offensive coordinators since 2013. I mean, you can see with those stats why this would be a quote-unquote dream hire for James Franklin. But and, And truthfully... Um, end of last season, and then you know, other than the Michigan and Ohio State games this season, we're seeing that kind of 
you know, points per game production for I mean, sure. We were tops in the Big Ten and tops in, you know, at the top in the NCAA going into this game. But at the end of the day, um, offensive coordinator is not ultimately a statistical category, just like right. the head coach isn't a statistical right. category. It's it's the only statistic that really matters is throw the stats out when it comes to winning. Just games. win the games, you know, so um, which is kind of an interesting little uh, uh Exercise when you think about Brian Ferentz over there at Iowa, who um, I, Iowa, by the way, has the same record as Penn State. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, right. Um, so, you know, at a certain point, it's we like. also beat them 31 to nothing. Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm not trying to say we're Iowa by any means, but I'm just saying like, yeah, it's nice to win pretty, but at the end of the day, you just want to win. Well, and, and, and like the optics really are this. And, you know, you talk about hand-picked guys, Franklin pick, hand-picked Yersich. Yersich also hand-picked Drew Aller. Yeah. And this isn't, this is, yes, it's his first starting season, but he had an entire, you know, freshman season last year that he got in every single Penn State game. You know, he, he Ten prepared. Ten I think, but still. Whatever. He prepared uh, under, you know, sixth year Sean Clifford. So he got to learn from, you know, basically a coach on the field. Um, and how to prepare. And, you know, Mike Yersich had, and James Franklin, Mike Yersich and James Franklin had, you know, basically two years to think about how they wanted to um, construct an offense for this five-star quarterback. And, and, it, and basically, like, for as much as we made fun of Sean Clifford not being able to throw down the field, he was, you know, the offense is light years ahead of, of what this offense is capable of doing, you know, this year compared to last year. Yeah, yeah. It, I, I think and, that's, and this is your hand-picked five-star you know, five quarterback that, you know, by all counts has a rocket for an arm, and you still, in Week 10, have not found any consistent way of completing passes down the field. I mean, I think that's a, I mean, that's a great encapsulation of why Franklin's moved on from Yersich. I think uh, here's one other thing, and then we probably need to move on, but I just, I thought this was an interesting line. I will never move on from this. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, when it comes, this is, this could be the season that, that defines what, what Franklin is and, and what he can be well, as the, far as the level of missed opportunity with this season is, is, yeah, you know, it's just hard to even talk about, Everybody much less quantify. Said his most talented team, yeah, yeah, and so when you don't perform, and, and and Michigan and Ohio State were their most gettable that they've been. Well, and here's we so didn't get that blown out by you, either of them. That leads right to exactly what I wanted to talk about is, um, you know, look at Michigan and Ohio State. 2022 to 2023. We had problems on both offense and defense in those games. Okay. But Manny Diaz last year against uh, Michigan and Ohio state, he let 40 plus points on the board against both of those teams. Do you know what? He reduced that point total by 20 points in this year's version of that game. So he improved, you know, uh, dramatically uh, in his performance of his defense um, against Ohio State and Michigan in yeah. his second year against them. Um, I mean, Michigan's rushing yards this year were still egregious, 238, I think, but still about 200 yards better than the last year. So improvement, you know? But Mike Yursich, his offense uh, last year against Ohio State scored 31 points. This year, only 20. 
And guess what? Three years under Mike Yurcich versus Michigan. 17 points in 2021. 17 points in 2022. 15 points in 2023. And it would have been 17 if not for those two-point conversions. Zero improvement. Zero improvement. And regression against Ohio State. So, I mean... I mean, if those two what did teams, I say, what did I say before the, the the Michigan game here? I said Drew Aller was gonna need to to yeah. to live up to expectations. Yeah, and that that that's on the coaches that he didn't. And I said these players would have to to elevate themselves beyond their coaching because they weren't getting it from from Mike Yurcich. They this offense regressed from last year, uh, in my opinion. Um, the, the the running the running backs regressed since last year. The run game regressed since last year, uh, and obviously the passing attack has regressed. Now you know there are certain things about Drew Aller's game that that are you know you can see that he's a talented quarterback still. Yeah, like he has some foundational aspects. He hasn't had of, a terrible season. No, no, no. He still only won interception. Yes, he had the fumble yesterday, which, or excuse me, on Saturday, which did not. And outside of Ohio State and Michigan, very good completion percentage for the most part. But like the wrinkle that you threw, besides all the dumb gimmicky plays, the wrinkle you threw at Michigan was you were going to try and run your six foot five, 245 pound quarterback quarterback who has not, who has not shown the ability to be a dual threat actually. Like, yeah, sure, he's picked up some yards here and there. You know he's not a total statue, but he's not Trace McSorley. He's not even he's not even Sean Clifford. Right. Um. And and you, that was what you attempted to do. And it's clear that that like that again that the, instead of uh, using his offense arm. that you the offense yeah. that you thought you could run with a pocket passer was the Trace McSorley offense. Yeah. And it it's, you just it's no like go. You struck out, man. Yeah. You struck totally. out hard. And and Franklin should have seen that long ago. Yeah. Quite fra- quite Franklin. <laughs> okay. We're we're still technically inside news and notes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so that was obviously the biggest news item, a firing of Mike Yurcich. Um we'll probably come back to it again when we talk about the mission recap, but we also have some other things to talk about, namely some scores. Other college football games happened this weekend. By the way, I didn't watch a single minute of college football uh, after the Penn State game, other than the fact that the TV, I, I was too depressed even to turn off the TV. So I like caught glimpses of the next game on Fox. As I, I did was, the opposite. I watched all of it. I couldn't handle it. Yeah, in years past, I, w- I never was able to. I, it, Franklin has numbed me. <laughs> I'm serious. Um, so anyway, um, so I, we would just talk about some scores, and it's not going to be like we've done in the past. Um, no 10-second takes. Uh, just some some brief score updates uh, within the top 25 to start. Um, number two, Georgia obliterated number nine, Ole Miss, 52-17. to 17. Um, Georgia's being Georgia. A couple of close ones um, within the the sort of second half of the top 10. Florida State hung on against unranked Miami, 27 to 20. Uh, number five, Washington snuck past number 18, Utah, 35 to 28. Um, number six, Oregon um, kept USC from uh, doing any damage, thirty six to twenty seven, and then you, finally you realizing that 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 in that USC game, that was USC's fourth loss. They're seven and four. They only have one game left. They're, this next week is their last game. Um, 
that's seven and four. They could be seven and five if they just totally, you know, phone it in the the, la- the rest of the. Yeah, you talk about you know, teams that are underperforming uh, USC. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. certainly more so. Well, I mean, Penn State could lose two games here at the end. Of the uh, well, season, so. that, and that's where we should like be thinking about, you know, how do we feel about what Franklin is? Yeah, you know, um, <laughs> you know, kind of moving on through uh, the the rest of the top ten. Number seven, Texas, nearly dropped a game to unranked TCU, um, but managed to pull it off, twenty nine to twenty six, winning close games. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, um, and then um, Must number. Be nice. Nice. Number eight, Alabama blew out uh, uh, unranked Kentucky. Alabama seems to have righted themselves after that um, Texas loss where they looked so inept. Um, they've gone ahead and, and figured things out. They've improved well, as the season's gone on. Well, they've improved. Yeah, and, and that's you know that's a, a thing that you like to think of as far as how your season goes is getting better and peaking during your most your biggest games. And, and Alabama has gotten better and better, and that quarterback has gotten better and better, and that offense has certainly ta- been tailored to Jalen Milrow, his strengths as a season goes on and he's gotten better um i think it's been a half a century almost since uh Missouri was in the same conversation as Penn State. <laughs> number 14 Missouri mauled number 13 Tennessee 36 to 7 you're forgetting the Chase Daniels led oh, right. Missouri team right. from the 2000s, I believe, and he he had them in the top five. I think he, they got as high as number three. So don't forget about that. All right, fair enough. But, but yeah, but I mean, they they murdered Tennessee, murdered. Uh, you know, Josh Heupel's looking at like you know rhymes with hype, as in the hype train, and it seems like the the hype train for Tennessee is kind of taking a serious hit, um, knocking them probably you know out of the top fifteen after you know once we see the CFP poll coming out there tomorrow. Number fifteen, Oregon State coming off of their um, excuse me, not oh. Oregon State, Oklahoma State, excuse me. Number fifteen, okay. Oklahoma State uh, coming off of their big win against Oklahoma. Uh, God. Shocked by UCF, forty-five to three loss. Unranked UCF. Unranked UCF. Yeah. Uh, B- Big Twelve newcomer UCF. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't know. The wheels fell off the. The they had their special like NASA uniforms on or something like that, which I don't even understand completely. Even I mean, I understand that like, yeah, okay, you know, um, what is it, Cape Canaveral? It was light blue far. colored uniforms. It was. It is just weird. weird. It was just a weird. I don't know what they're doing with those uniforms. But the point is, they had a home game against Oklahoma State. You know, ranked Oklahoma State, fifteenth Oklahoma State, and nearly shut them out and put up forty five on them. Unbelievable. Yeah, really. That's weird. like that's like what like there was some level of of in my brain of like oh man what if Penn State just like utterly like annihilates just annihilates Michigan. I know I had that so bad. I had that sort of back of my head like maybe Michigan crumbles and we just run. I mean, which is probably part of why I'm so uh, unbelievably deflated that that yeah. we looked you know, no better we than we did against yeah. Ohio State. We'll yep. get there. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, number 21, Arizona, continuing their run this season um, by beating Colorado 34-31. to 31. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. um, and, and well, Colorado's not going to win a game the rest of this season, it seems like. They're going to miss out on a bowl game. There's already all kinds of rumors now that Jimbo Fisher has been, by the way, Fired, I, and I don't dude, know. Dude, you, you you preempted me. Did uh, I? <laughs> my the last score I wanted to talk about for the Big Ten, uh, Texas in in a game where both coaches are now no longer with their program. 
Texas A and M blows yeah, out Mississippi he's... State fifty-one to ten. Okay, and so both coaches were fired after that game. <laughs> yeah, and, and what's you know what's interesting is like, you know, <laughs> with the Mississippi State thing, it's like I've already heard Joe Moorhead back to, or, or, uh, no, not Joe Moorhead. I'm sorry, Dan Mullen, the former Mississippi State coach who had all the success there. That then he went to Florida. They're all all the Mississippi State uh, fans are like, we want want Dan Mullen back, and all the Penn State fans are like, we want Joe Moorhead back. <laughs> yeah, and Texas A&M's like, we want. Dion Sanders, <laughs> you know, I, I, I mean, because Dion has Dion has Texas roots. Oh my god, his kids, a lot, of, all his kids went, you know, they, Dallas, Fort Worth you know area. What? They deserve him too, uh, dude. If he le- <laughs> if he leaves Colorado after one season, man, I, you know, that a that town is gonna probably not care that much, but you know, <laughs> they, <laughs> you know, they'll, they'll they'll that's funny. revert back to you know ineptitude at some point if if he leaves but I, it's just to show you that, dude firing jimbo fisher you know what that's gonna cost or already is costing i mean isn't um, like 76 million dollars that they own oh, oh they're they're paying him 70 70 to 75 million i think i want to say maybe 77 um largest buyout in history by far um by a well, long shot well, yes, but the interesting thing about that is that during first of all, they Texas A&M won their game like fifty-one to whatever it was ten, and and during the halftime of that game, the Texas A&M boosters presented a one hundred and six halftime of that game presented a one hundred and sixty million dollar check to the athletic department. Wow. And then use wow. that check after that game to fire, <laughs> to fire Jimbo. Wow! And then the rest of that check they're going to be using to hire the next guy. So we're talking 150, 160 million dollars that they need to fire and hire their next coach. How insane is that? During they, this is premeditated murder. And the premeditated payment of the murder yeah. <laughs> it happened during the wow. game that you finally was last I mean, game. I mean, there's there's a level of dysfunction there that is that is really um, Jimbo didn't shocking. know he was being fired at the end of the game, and di- like, what are you th- like? You're gonna <laughs> you're gonna give who, the money? Who in their right mind would want to go? To, I mean, look, I mean, th- I'll tell you why Jimbo Fisher I goes agree. to Texas A and M is to get a seventy eight million dollar buyout. That you know, I mean. He, he's set for life, man. He doesn't have to did do anything. You, did you, when they fired, when LSU fired um, Ed Orgeron, there's a there's an interview where they asked Ed Orgeron about the day he was fired. And and Ed's like, yeah, when they said you're fired, I said, what? and they gave me, the, you know, they told me how much, you know, I knew how much I was going to make. It's like, well, which, like, wh- where, sh- where, when do you want me to leave and, and which door do you want me to use? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, pay me. I don't, he like, whatever. Yeah, you know? like, your money, you know. But- what a unbelievable yeah well and and it goes and franklin's on one of these you know um extremely extremely expensive buyout um he's one of the top three or four coaches in terms of their their buyout his buyout is the fourth largest right now uh, in in college football behind only number one kirby smart number two jimbo fisher number three brian kelly Dabo is behind him matt rule is behind him mark stoops josh heupel nick saban dan lanning is the is the it rounds out that list as far and, as the and top. And it just it just goes to show you, football. like th- this is not 
this is not creating the right incentives and it's not, um, I, I, I just, it's foolishness. I think that, that schools ought to just shut this practice down immediately. I don't mind giving a five-year contract. I don't mind having some guaranteed money. You want to create some consistency, but well, 10 I mean, years, seven and a half million dollars a year, kind of guaranteed money. That, that, to be clear, to be clear, Franklin's buyout is 56, uh, 64 million this year, 56 million next year. And it, I believe it's seven and a half million each year comes right. off of the total. Right. So after five years of this extension, it's still only at 40, it's at $40 million. I mean, it's, you know, I think the largest buyout before this was something like 16 million. So you can't fire Franklin until 2026 for any less than $40 million. I mean, yeah. And, and it'll be another three years before you can have it to like 20 million, you know? I so. think it's, I think it's, you know, we're back, we're back on this real quick. Uh, <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's safe to say that, that, you know, as much as we are absolutely, you know, you can't, you know, absolve Franklin of, of the common denominator being him uh, within these uh, offensive coordinators and, you know, big game ineptitudes. Um, yeah, he bears you, responsibility you, for sure. We're not, he's not, you're not going to be able to fire him as the problem until that contract has started to, you know, um, wither I mean, away. More. Minimum <laughs> of three, probably more likely five years left with Franklin um, without. Uh, you know something but I really, say, really. I will say, Andy. Yeah. That this next offensive coordinator is gonna make or break, you know, his ability to be Penn State's head coach. Movement. He will not get another extension if this is not the no. offensive coordinator that no. brings, um, you know, a Big Ten title to to be to Happy Valley. The, he will not m- would get another extension. Like. It just it runs its course at that point. I mean, definitely, we, we, we this feel next, like we found our ceiling at this point. This next and the hire. Big Ten is only going to get hot, harder. <laughs> and and you know, even if Franklin does make the twelve team playoff, which I don't think is a as a you know foregone conclusion with Oregon, Washington, USC, UCLA coming into the Big Ten, I would definitely not say it's a foregone conclusion. Um, you know, it's just like it, 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 it'll be hard to win. In the pit twelve team playoff because Franklin has a bad record against um uh you know top twenty five teams and a really bad record against top ten and top five teams. So you know if you think that the twelve team playoff is going to save Franklin's career, think again. I definitely think that this next hire is going to certainly be the thing that makes or breaks James Franklin's career at Penn State, whether it ends at the end of this contract or just before, or whether there's a new era. Yeah. Yep. All right, we got to shift to the Big Ten scores, and boy, oh boy, this this is just a mess of a podcast already. It's it's there's there's no organization here. <laughs> kind of like Penn State's offense. <laughs> it's totally. All right. Oh yeah. man, um, just around the Big Ten, and 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 the theme here is um, missed opportunities, man. Um, first of all, just, uh, two former opponents playing future opponents. Um, number one, Ohio state took care of business versus Michigan state 38 to three and number 22, Iowa shut out Rutgers, our next opponent, 22 to nothing. I don't know that there's much to say about either of those games other than, you know, based on what we're seeing there, it shouldn't present us with many problems for our last two opponents, but you know. Who knows how we're going to respond? Thank heavens we have a good defense. Agreed. Um, and then here's the, the missed opportunities. Could have been a tiebreaker. 
Uh, all of these next three results. All you had to do was beat Michigan and or Ohio State. <laughs> and um, and if or you, Ohio State, if you get in a tiebreaker, it's lining up just great for Penn State right now. First of all, no, I, great, perfectly. Uh, first of all, Iowa shutting out Rutgers meant another win for Iowa. They're at the top of the Big Ten West right now, and they're ranked now, by the way. Yeah, um, and they'll move up in the polls. And then you had Illinois over Indiana, forty-eight to forty-five in overtime. Maryland over Nebraska to become bowl eligible 13 to 10 and then Northwestern over Wisconsin 24 to 10 all of those were either uh Big 10 West opponents of Penn State that won or of Michigan and Ohio State that lost that lost and uh um, we were up by I think one game to both both teams as far as the tiebreaker goes we were up a game and then this only would have created a further gap that would have really looked Great on uh, you know for us moving forward to to just win out and and you know make the Big Ten championship game if Michigan goes on to beat Ohio State that's what you need at that point. I mean, interestingly enough, bro, I gotta this is fascinating. Iowa right now is at the top of the Big Ten West. They're eight and two overall, five and two in the conference. And then behind them, you have a one, two, three, four, five-way tie for second place. Every single team behind them is both three and four in the conference and five and five, five, five overall. overall. Northwestern, yep. Nebraska, Wisconsin, Illinois, Minnesota. And then you've got Northwestern. Lowe. Northwestern being the head scratcher of them all, I would say. Just how did on earth did Wisconsin let them humiliate them essentially uh, humiliate them? But basically, what that means is that the old, right now, at least you know yeah. two, two games still to play, but right now every single other team is tied, and Iowa being one game ahead of everyone as a win that Penn State had would have yep. meant that at least at this point Penn State wins any three way tiebreaker. Um, yep. <laughs> I mean, uh, again, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, just like Penn State, Iowa's with, has interim offensive coordinator going on over there. And, 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 and to make no mention, by the way, Andy, we, we didn't even play, do we, we didn't even play against Michigan with, with a full deck across the, you know, the oh, field from us. Right. You know, Harbaugh wasn't even at the game. I mean, <laughs> I, probably, probably the, the, the biggest, annoyance factor for me is the whole like Michigan against the world. And now that yeah. narrative gets to be played out. Oh, in it's being front played of everyone, out, right? you know, it's being played out by Harbaugh claiming that he thinks that Michigan is America's team because they're overcoming adversity and winning it against it's, Penn state. It's on the very road. frustrating. I would, I would have so delighted in Penn state showing on the field that Michigan's cheating was, uh, you know, you know, wasn't going to get them anything because Penn State, you know, punished them on the field. No off-field punishment is is it could be as significant as losing on the field, and Penn State couldn't do that. It was so frustrating. Um, Not to mention Sharon Moore's comments after the victory. Oh, and his like, I mean, the complete the field. emotional ungluing. Of he was bawling his eyes out and cursed. Uh, I think twice yeah. on national television yeah. about uh, about how we did this for you, Harbaugh. I effing love you, man. Uh, we, you know, I I love the sh out of you, man. Like it was 
just and then Blake Corum come in with the same we're, thing. Like oh, he's he, all crying, and JJ McCarthy is like he's saying, "Like I, we miss you." We, like I, I saw you. I saw you earlier dead? this morning, but I still miss you. <laughs> is, is this guy dead? I know. It's is like Jim Harbaugh in the grave. Is he trapped underground in a mine? You know, cave in or and something. To, like, and 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 to contextualize how they are feeling about their coach is like. No one, they, not the players, not the, not the coaches, not the fans have denied any of the cheating and they are showing no remorse for any of the cheating and they are idol worshiping their head coach along with it. Legitimate idolatry. Like, yeah, as egregious as I've ever seen. It's quite frankly, like, like Nick Saban has won how how many national titles? Five, six. <laughs> I don't like even that. know. And and I don't even think I see any of Saban's players ever. It's bizarre. With this level, it's really it is, bizarre. It is extremely and that strange. that for me is like the. Uh, and by the way, Harbaugh has not won a national title. That that for me is like the poop icing on the cake of not winning this game. It's just letting that narrative obviously, continue. Obviously, we're 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 crying because we're losers, but they're <laughs> crying. They're crying as winners yeah. and cheaters yeah. on top. Of oh it. my it gosh, as self justified emotion, you know. So very very frustrating. Um, no doubt. So we're going to talk about this Michigan game. <laughs> no, I don't, not I don't know how long we're going to talk about it. Um, I, I think the thing that you know, I want to get in when we're finally talking specifically about the game, recapping the game is um, I don't know how to encapsulate this game. You know, I spend some time thinking about uh, what to title each of these episodes. Sometimes a catchy title comes faster than most. Uh, actually got a couple of comments on last week's. Um, I saw the signs title for the uh, Michigan look ahead. Uh, so thank, thanks guys for noticing that. I do put a little bit of effort into it. <laughs> I don't know what to call this one, man. And like my first my first attempt is like a broken record because that what it's, it feels like we're, we keep skipping over the same spot, doing the same thing, seeing the same thing all over again. Well, you know, like yeah, broken record. Like you could call it that. That's probably an easy one. Yeah, um, it doesn't feel I mean, quite but, right. But, but like, but like, you know, I feel like broken clock <laughs> might work too because a broken clock is at least right two times a day. You know, <laughs> and like Franklin, you know, is a ten win coach. You know, most of the time, and you know, wins a New Year's Six bowl game every you know two three years or whatever it is, and um, you know, has a top ten, top fifteen recruiting class. Just enough to make time. you feel like maybe. It's working. It's pot. Yeah, yeah, right. Maybe this is working. That clock's not so bad. Um, but you know, you don't really. I think what you ever see, and I know you have, but you ever see the movie Groundhog Day, Andy? Yes. You know, we use that title Groundhog Day. Like I think it was in our first season when like we kept losing over and over again in 2020. Yeah, it's Groundhog Day. Again, I mean that sort of feels <laughs> that way, Connor doesn't it? Said, yeah. Well, so so that's and and then you know since 2020, with the outside of beating Michigan that year, which by the way Michigan doesn't even consider that as being a loss because it was a weird season. And Connor Stallions you know? wasn't on the uh, on be. the airplane that due year. To COVID. Couldn't <laughs> couldn't have him. He was the, he was he was at the the 2019 um, you know Penn State game. By the way. But uh, so anyways, as a volunteer for the record. Um, so anyways, Groundhog Day, you know, Groundhog Day, he has to live with this 
every single day over oh, and over man. and over and report has to live that day over and over and over and here we are living these same horrors year in and year out for three years in a row for like three years well in not a row. only oh, that bro six. not only that like this is the thing that that struck me coming out of this game. This is the exact same script as the Ohio State game a few weeks ago. Like, oh yeah, nothing exactly. was learned. No you change. Almost the exact same the game scenario. The offense truly, performed truly, similarly we, we, ineptly. We were like. We were like, you know, hey, at least, you know, you can learn from what you did against Ohio State by doing That's why nothing. I had hope going into this game. Exactly. And then they literally did the exact, exact same So here, same you want to know what Phil Connors... Right down to the uh, oddly attempted and failed two-point conversions. Phil Connors. <laughs> Phil? The weatherman. Phil Connors? For a Pennsylvania <laughs> news station of all pl- things, Phil Connors has this to say. You want a prediction about the weather? You're asking the wrong Phil, meaning Punxsutawney Phil, of course. I'll give you a winter prediction. It's going to be cold. It's going to be gray. And it's going to last you the rest of your life. <laughs> Right, oh so, <laughs> so I think you should call this oh. Groundhog Day, especially since we've used this analogy before maybe, in our maybe first it's season Groundhog in 2020. Day again, yeah, precisely. <laughs> it's Groundhog Day again. again. <laughs> you know, and and that's what you know. I I because and here's and here's the, the real why it's Groundhog Day again is because. James Franklin seems to have exhausted all these like like we we you know how we have found new ways to lose every single time it seems. Yeah, cuz like part of what he's doing is he's finding new ways to kill himself but he still so, ends so, up dead. He, well yeah, he's plugging <laughs> holes and he's running out of fingers and and toes and and hands and feet and you know but but what what he's has failed. And what I'm I saying think, I'm saying about in the movie Groundhog sure, Day. Sure. Oh yeah, I'm he's talking about finding yeah, new I, ways to kill yes, himself yes, and yet he yes. still ends up right back where he started. Like it doesn't percent. matter how many things he tries. You still yes. get the same result and that's what it has felt like well, with franklin uh, and and exactly because franklin kind of has refused to and this is a name we uh, we almost kind of came up with <laughs> we were calling this episode he has refused to look at the man in the mirror <laughs> all right he kind of has refused to look at himself right what's the next line of that games song? i'm looking at the man in the mirror i'm i'm, I'm hoping for him to change his way <laughs> I'm, be- I'm begging for him to change his ways. It's one of the two, something oh like that. Oh my gosh! Or wishing, or whatever it is. But Franklin in big games has f- got to find a way to change his ways, and he has to self scout how he and Penn State has reacted in the biggest of games. And because because these these head scratching calls of you know wasting timeouts not being prepared calling two point conversions when inexplicably they don't make any sense given the situation you could have kept it a one score game if you just kicked that extra point at that second two point conversion attempt you would have kept it an eight point game and you could have onsides it and still or even held them whatever it is you you literally lost the game by deciding to go for two points in that it's both utterly points. inexplicable um totally so so you know you know getting back to phil connor's 
Phil Connors lived Groundhog Day every single day being a, you know, just a bum. Just hating life, wanting to end it, not not being he he had to change his ways after looking <laughs> at the man in the mirror. <laughs> And then he became a good person. He became somebody who could get out of that Groundhog Day by by like realizing that he himself had to change. Yeah, the, uh, I'm asking him to change his ways. By the way, is the lyric. I'm asking. I'm asking him to change his ways. That's the last stone that Franklin's got to. Oh, you know, obviously he's got to hire an OC that's home run hire. But the last the line last of that. The last line of the refrain. By the way, if they want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and then make a change. <laughs> there you go. I mean, that's. We we are great at analogies here at I love Blue it. and White Brothers. I love it, um, uh, and that goes to be said for to everyone. We we are the last place that we look to to you know as what's wrong. But <laughs> a lot of the times, right? If not all the time, like like we can change. Uh, we, we Franklin's like we want to control. what We can control. We want to. That's he says that time and time again. Yeah, yourself, James. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Control what you can control, James, and that's make yourself better. Well, you know, with regard to the um, to the game calling in game, I mean, definitely, it seems like almost every close game, um, the the game calling uh, of of some of the head coaching decisions, going for it on fourth down, uh, going for two, um, how do you uh, manage your timeouts and things like that? That that that's been a a problem, and it reared its head again. But but clearly, <clears throat> that those things were not as egregious or as um, uh, significant as the actual game plan and play calling. This goes back to the firing of Yursich. Um, you know, if I think what G- Franklin needs is he needs uh, uh, coordinators who aren't going to put him in that position, who, who you know, make the yeah. game, yeah. you know, uh, far enough away in the point spread that James Franklin... It's not James' strength to, it's to not. have the game in his hands for making a decision. It's not. And as long as we have Franklin, as long as we have Franklin, I mean, unless he's going to find a way to... And I don't know how you... Honestly, I don't know how you improve on in those kinds of situations, but um, unless you delegate it to someone else who's better at it than you are, but I mean, yeah, that is a big a big step in the right direction. At least is like taking it off Franklin's plate. Franklin has a lot of strengths, and um, you know, twice now he's built up a program that was a losing program or near losing program, and um, has elevated it to um, you know a ten win program. Right, he did that, you know, going from 2014 and 2015, and then 20, starting in 2016, you know, three straight years of 10 win programs, great. And then you have the COVID law. Let's let's give James a mulligan on that one. Wasn't his fault because of COVID, yada yada. And now he's elevated two years in a row to the 10 win program. So you know, he he can recruit, he can create a, a great culture. Guys love playing for him, but. You know, definitely the on-field in-game coaching stuff has been has been rough. He's going to have to find an OC that that keeps him from being in that position all that often. But um, against Ohio State and then here again in Michigan, it re- that really wasn't Franklin's failed calls, although they were significant. It was it was really the bigger underlying offensive problems that it, we've already talked about. You know, all year long. Um, hey, third down conversion rate. You know, Ohio State, one of 16, was it? Yeah. Um, and then we had that last one in mop-up duty. Four of 14 <laughs> against Michigan. Time. 
Yeah, like, not going to cut it. Like, not going to cut it. Um, passing yards. We already said it was like, what was it? You know, 70 yards passing for well, through it, hour know, in this game. Failing to have the right call in, in critical situations, you know, which includes those two-point conversions. All right, James called it to go for two, but I'm sure Yursic was the one who had prepped the team for those calls and and they well, you were took, you took the you took the ball you didn't put the ball in the hands of your playmakers even when you had opportunities to yeah was like, there like a third and four or something like that where they ran the qb run out of an empty set and didn't get the first down and then punted it away you, you well, know well, like, and, and first and goal you know you, you ran katron uh, in a toss or a sweep, when that's not his strong suit running to the perimeters at all. You you gave Katron Allen twelve carries to Nick Singleton's thirteen, and you started both halves with two uh, consecutive drives of Nick Singleton when it was clear going into this game that Katron Allen was the guy for the job. Absolutely, it especially absolutely in a was. tough sledding game. I mean, seven. He was twelve. For seventy-two at six yards a carry, and and Nick Singleton, dude, th- six he, yards it, a carry. That you mean that gives you first downs down the field every second. Yeah, every second carry, this guy's gonna get you a first down. Nick Singleton was at his season average, which is like low threes. He was thirteen for forty-three for three point three yards. All right, and then on top of that, when you were passing the ball, you you. You, it, when you were passing the ball, you just you didn't have any like continuity in like the the routes you, you your your players were running, and you threw to your tight ends four times, and they were like Tyler Warren's your your and to, to me like your your mo- your best hands on the team, and you get only gave them two receptions. All yeah, right, look, let's go four games here: Ohio State, Indiana, Maryland, Michigan. Uh. Only one of those games did you have anything that resembled a competent in-rhythm offense, and it was that Maryland game, and it gave you a lot of hope going into the Michigan game because, like, maybe you finally figured something out. But, you know, uh, you said this uh, before we got on on the, the podcast, bro, is that, like, 10th game of the season, you expect your team to be in rhythm. You expect peaking. your team to be peaking. peaking. You expect your team to be having fully determined their identity and playing their best game. And look, if you play your best game and you look good and you fall to number three, Michigan, so be it. But that's not what we saw offensively. We saw a team that was poorly coached, poor execution, poor game planning, with no answers for anything on the in the tenth game of the season, and that's that's why you're such as no it's re- longer it's, team. It really is a situation of not that we lost, it, how we lost, how we lost. Absolutely, it really is, and, true and Ohio that. State as well. Like, yes, they're one score games. I mean, I guess nine points is not one score, but if you kick the two point conversion, I mean, if you kick the extra point or make the two point conversion, it's a two, it's a one score game, both losses. But it felt like you may as well have lost by five scores with how far out of reach the game was for your offense to actually make anything happen. It was just baffling. And the defense played well. I think the defense played well enough that for a, you know, a team that's firing on offense to at least contend with, Yeah, you know, yes. yeah, they gave up that late, um, you know, I, to me, you, when they gave up that 30 yard touchdown run by Corum, who by the way, finished with 26 carries and 145 yards. When you gave that up, it was because like the levy breaks at a certain point. You can't yeah. keep asking your defense to go out there and go Give out you another there shot. Go out Give there. you another shot. Give you another yeah. shot. You know, yeah, and, and, you know, again, same thing with Ohio State. Like, what was our time of possession? It was very low in both of those games. You yeah, know? 26, 26 minutes in this game, and I think it was like, 
25 minutes in that game, maybe maybe even less. Because of your offensive ineptitude, you're putting your defense in a position to kind of, yeah, kind of hold back the the flood. These are the, these are the games truly where you throw the stats out when it comes to playing the game. The stats that we have accrued were were first and second and first and second Doesn't and all matter. the statistics literally showed no value whatsoever in this Agreed. game. So like like it's all it's all fluff. It's all fluff until you can like be a ranked team that's like on your level. Which by the way, like you know, Franklin has said this, oh, we lost to the number three and number one team in the country. Well, you know what? If we had beaten these teams, we would be the number three and the number one team a in the country. A thousand percent. Like, a thousand percent. The, the fact that we're not beating these teams is a case in point that we haven't gotten to where we want to go. Yes, if you're going to lose to a top-ranked team, fine. That's, that, you got to do it. A lot of teams do that. You, a lot of teams going to be number to, one to start the season and just remain number one because you're the favorite. That doesn't work You're that not going to get the least. favorite until you win a team beat a team that's yeah. actually, you know, yeah. a, a decent team that's ranked ahead of you. So like somewhere along the line, you've got to say, look, I, I, to be the top team, you got to beat the top team. And and we just haven't, we haven't done that. We haven't you know how it done, Georgia did it? done it. You know, how Georgia did it. How'd they do it? They fired Mark Richt. <laughs> uh, well, I and hired Kirby Smart. <laughs> uh, let's not get into that right now. Um, they may have an occasion to do so. But, but they, but that, but everybody's saying at this point in time that the Penn State is the Mark Richt of the Big Ten. James Franklin is the Mark Richt of the Big Ten. Is that what I said? What did I say? You said, what, you said Penn State is the Mark Richt. Oh uh, well, yeah, 10. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, Penn State's correct. the Penn, Georgia. Penn State's the Mark Richt, Georgia, Georgia. Back when Mark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's what I'm. Uh, look, uh, last thing I just want to say here before we. Um, you know, ask the go. Where do we go from here? There, there has been some, um, I would say, classless behavior on the part of some Penn State fans, and I think it, it, it's worth uh, just talking about a little bit. Um, you know, you had fans, of course, booing um, Franklin in the tunnel, um, but not just that. They're talking. They're throwing trash. Um, they're cursing at the players. Um, there's even been some reports of, you know, racist uh, online comments. It was comments. a tweet from Miles Dredd, a former Penn State great basketball player. Um, there was he, he was at the game in the stands, um, and he he allegedly heard some some racial slurs, and he came out and made a made a tweet about how the Penn State needs to be better than that. And um, and, and you know, I can't comment on what he did or did not hear that's not what i'm here to say necessarily but what i will say is i think by you know any fan base is capable of having some people in the stands who are classless we're no different you know in terms of like there are you know especially drinking being involved in the stadiums these days yeah that's a great idea by the way great move everyone like let's let's have a bunch of rowdy students Drink but all game. <laughs> I highly doubt that that more than a handful of people um, were any were angry at the players. If anything, I think the majority of the booing, by and large, was probably directed at Franklin. And I'm Richardson. sure, absolutely, and that's you where know? the frustration comes from because they didn't put their their players in a position to succeed. You know. It's okay. I think it's fine. It's appropriate. It shows your passion. So you care to be upset when you go into a game like this and you think you have a chance to win and you have such an abysmal showing. I mean, anyone who watched that game, whether you're a Penn State partisan or not, I mean, uh, 
you know, journalists are looking at this, you know, other people in the college football world, national uh, commentators are looking at Penn State and and they're seeing us face plant twice in a row against top ranked teams. It's obvious we've underperformed based on expectations and our aspirations. And I think it's okay to be upset and frustrated and down. If, you, if you're not, it means you, you're not really caring about it. You're, you're, you know, Detached. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to, I don't know if I can help you there, but, um, you know, and, and we don't want to be detached. You know, we want to well, be, we want to well, be, hey, who connected. is detached? Do we want to be like Michigan fans? Like who, who oh, well, they're detached from reality. No remorse from <laughs> they have. Well, it's seemingly that they have no remorse for the, for the, you know, the, the lack of, um, just, they can't, they can't admit that they did wrong while also like being humble about the fact that they got to where they are because of possible cheating. And here they are now, like they're acting like they're, you know, like it martyrs. It speaks really poorly to Michigan to watch this fan base act the way they are. And I guess right. that's what I'm saying is like, yeah. yes, you can be upset. Let's be, let's show our passion. Let's express ourselves but let's do it in a classy way. Let's do it in a mature way. Let's do it in a respectful way. Let's, you know, we we got to call out folks that are acting racist, that are that are trash talking coaches, uh, you know, demeaning in demeaning ways. Like, yeah, we can expect more of our For the coaches. love of God. Don't be going on a, pl- a player's social media page saying anything other than encouragement for them trying their best, which is what they are doing, no doubt about absolutely, that. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's keep it in perspective. I, you know, I kind of wanted to, to just mention that. I mean, Tom, well, you and I over the years have definitely expressed our uh, deflation and discouragement, and we've had our share of thoughts about uh, previous quarterbacks, for example, and uh, certainly the coaching regime. But, you know, to do it in a respectful way, I think, is the way I'd like to, well, to make sure we do that. You know, one thing that I don't think Franklin gets nearly enough credit for is, yes, he is the head football coach of Penn State football, Penn State Indy Lions, and yes, we want to win that national titles and yes we want to win big 10 titles but there is he's a coach 365 days a year for these kids and and they're only playing you know 12 Saturdays 12 regular season Saturdays a year like that's 12 days out of the year that we go and see or or watch on TV Penn State play football but he is in control of this program all year long and by and large like you know I think he has taken the mantle um, of success with honor and lived up to that standard, um, you know, taking what Joe Paterno has built and and carrying it forward into the modern, you know, game of college football. And it's a lot to navigate in the modern game of college football. Success with honor is not happening across the board in college football. Yeah, there's a know? lot of places where there's no honor and there are a lot of places where there's no success. And, you know, obviously we haven't gotten to that 11-win season. We haven't gotten to the championship playoff but there's, you know, under James Franklin's tenure, there has been more success than not. Um, and it, it, that's not nothing. And he's done it in in a, such a way that, you know, there hasn't been a whiff of scandal or cheating or things like that. You know, when, when you know, negative things Michigan, have happened, he's handled it with a, a degree of class and maturity that, you know, Harbaugh started a player last year that was picked up for a felony like gun possession for an unregistered firearm in his vehicle um and that 
player never lost any eligibility whatsoever, and they're playing in the NFL now. And no one, no one, you know, like bats an eye because they that's just like, you know, okay, Michigan, we're 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 gonna we're gonna play the way we wanna play. And and this cheating thing is like exhibit C and D about about how how that can go and his rec- the recruiting violations is just more you know fuel on that as far as it's not only the you, violations but it's the indignant response to it the lying about the yeah. violation yeah. and and yeah and the indi- I mean Andy d- d- <laughs> what was so Michigan posted a response to the Big Ten about if they were gonna if they suspended Jim Harbaugh the president and AD. Um, basically, we're like, okay, well, maybe we'll leave the Big Ten. That was on the table. They discussed it on an administrative, le- executive level about leaving the Big Ten if Jim Harbaugh were suspended for cheating. Yeah, like what? It, what the, what the are level we of unity that they're demonstrating, you know, is is really shocking. It really is. And, and I and I and I'm saying that for the context of like what we haven't found you know ourselves situationally with franklin dealing with these types of problems while still having success with honor like that's we got to keep that into context as state fans that's all i'm saying and and, you know look paterno in his you know 40 plus did he have 50 years coaching like two national championships yes he had successful teams he had undefeated teams but it is hard to win and it's hard to win without cheating i mean you know it's hard to win without doing the kinds of underhanded things that were happening all throughout like southern football for example during joe mm-hmm. paterno's you know greatest teams in the 60s and 70s like, alabama was put on probation yeah um, smu but, you know, was happening at that time like yeah miami tennessee got tennessee got you know all their recruiting violations and obviously got rid of their their coach and that entire administration um, after that, you know, um, and and it's just like Pete Carroll you know, at USC, Carole and their, USC. Yeah, right? Yeah, you know, so like Trestle and Urban were were you know shrouded in controversy during their they both won. you know great seasons of of winning national championships. So yeah, so like it's it's you know, and of course some of that feels kind of. Um, cute these days because you know in terms of like you know paying players and stuff well that's all allowed now do you as a penn state fan andy and i'm asking you this you know for me to you but also i when i'm asking this i want anyone listening to think of this question being asked to them as well Uh, do you care about winning at all costs like if you go and win our first national title penn state goes and wins its first national title next year and it comes out later that Franklin did whatever it took, and and that whatever it took was salacious in nature. Would you want that national title? I would not. No, you would not. Of course, you wouldn't, because it wouldn't have mattered. It wouldn't have actually meant anything. You know. You know, I do think there we're really struggling, and I, when I say we, I don't mean you and me, but I mean like as a society in in, in sport in particular, we're really struggling with the integrity of the game piece right now. Um, college football uh, certainly is is I think it's one of the biggest like central in that conversation but you've seen it in college percent. basketball you see it and I mean you had the, the Astros sign stealing scandal a couple of years ago you know and steroids in baseball absolutely so you know I think and people viewed the Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa years as the best years of Major League Baseball in recent memory still and they're like screw it put let everyone take steroids like where did he draw the line? Well, exactly. Acceptability. Exactly. And, and it's like, you know, 
yes, we want to see high level competition. We want to see excellence. We want to see all that. And, you know, where you draw the line about what's legal and what's not legal might change. Like NIL is a thing now. So, but, but if you don't have a reasonably level playing field, if some teams are gaining an unfair advantage by going outside of the rules, the rules that everyone else is ostensibly committed to keeping, like that diminishes the integrity of the game. And it basically says like, Hey, what matters most is who's, most able to cheat without getting caught. Or if they get caught, they get caught late enough that people kind of shrug it off. And I, you know, I mean, that's what, that's what Michigan fans are shrugging. It's a real problem. And, and you you know, the win at all costs mentality, it's ultimately self-defeating. It will ultimately ruin um, the thing that you love. We've talked about this before with college football. And so I think, you know, even if it, it puts, you know, Penn State down a notch because we're unwilling to do those things. And I certainly would hope we're unwilling to do those things that are um, unethical or outside of the rules. If it puts us at an added disadvantage, well, okay, then it does. And we got to find a way to win within the rules and within the, what's ethical and appropriate, um, what's morally acceptable and, and do it like, you know, that's where the success with honor, like we want to have honor when we have success. And if we can't have success, at least we have our honor and that's a lot more important. And I think truly like Penn state's reputation as a school where you, where you don't win at all costs, where the, we are in the, we are Penn state means something more than just having a, a winning program. It means a lot to me. And I think it means a lot to most of the fans. And I, and I think it's important to keep that. So that's my answer. Think, yeah. I mean, that's a good answer. And I, and I agree with it. And, and I got to say that, that, you know, we were booing the coaches in text um, during that during the game. <laughs> like, uh, yes, we were quite a bit, um, and it, 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 it they're grown men, and that's their jobs. And I think it's fair, um, at least, to feel like they are letting the teams down. I do not boo the players. Um, no, and and and, 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 it, and the you know, kids expressing are the, your satisfaction. You're expressing your dissatisfaction in the stadium. That's part of the stadium experience. I I don't think booing is necessarily on its face um, an unacceptable thing. I certainly don't want to boo the players, but to kind of show that like we're unhappy what's happening here, I think that's fine. But like to do it personally at someone specifically to shout and curse at them for their poor performance to, to use demeaning names. Um, you know, that's a very different thing. And, um, yeah, I, I just want, I want our fan base to continue to show our honor as we kind of figure out how to have success in this new uh, college football landscape. I, I think, I think I got to hand it to Franklin for, for handling everything and at least these these the post game and then his press conference today i think he's handled it fairly well even though he does not look like he's having a great time losing oh, who man. would he, he was who a, would as if not more depressed than we were based on his demeanor in the press conference today <laughs> I, I you know but he was still he was still business like and, yeah. and he was not lashing out he was out, professional he was not, absolutely you know so so I, I'm gonna give him credit there, uh, as much as I just want to lace into him for my own um, emotionally stunted needs. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but you know, I, it, this—he's the professional, all right, and so he's handling it like one. These kids, whether they're making nil or not, are not professionals. They are not. I don't care if you. I don't care if you know Hackenberg's driving around a Tesla. He's still 19 years old and he's not a. You said NFL Hackenberg. Athlete. I think you mean an. Oh my god! 
<laughs> Holy PTSD, moly. man. PSPTSD. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, if you want to, I mean, so I think we should, I guess, next episode, are we going to get into some of the. You know, I think we're nearing the end of this yeah, one. I think we better. I, I don't think you, we want to talk about, uh, you know, like, po- you know, we're not going to get too deep into the possibility for like candidate candidates um, for OC, but we're going to talk about it a little bit next episode. I think right? we might. And, um, you know, I, we'll, we'll certainly talk a little bit about, um, you know, where do we go from here? Um, what is our next step? And how do we prevent a Hackenberg out of, ha- of Drew Aller? Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's, that's where, um, you know, we, why I think my brain was on that. Uh, we have a couple of mailbags coming. That will that we'll talk about Franklin specifically and Drew Aller. Um, so so that's coming up. Um, you know we have a Rutgers game that you know. Gosh, we almost Crazy. dropped We're still one. Playing football, we almost dropped one to Indiana um, after Ohio State, and so you know it's going to be really really interesting to see how Penn State responds uh, not only to the Michigan loss but the yeah, this firing over. so that, that's for sure so we're going to talk about Rutgers um, uh, I mentioned those mailbags and we'll go by the numbers um, so that's in our next episode uh, but bro until we get to it um, I want to remind you because it's we have to remember that it always starts with I love you and it ends with I love you we are Penn State <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Blue and White Brothers. Join us next time for another great episode about Penn State football. Want to make sure you don't miss an episode? Be sure to hit subscribe before you go. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't hesitate to give us a five-star review with overwhelming words of adulation and praise. Oh, it went about as well as it could have. (laughs) Whatever.